0: this it's very interesting is this whole seat the series that we've been doing you see it's called Endgame, based on that big movies i mean there was a, there was kind of funny a couple weeks ago i was we were talking about this i i said one thing and there was one person in here i think she's in here still maybe i don't know if she's at. i can't see her there was one person in here and she was panicking because she was like i hadn't seen the movie yet i literally saw her put her fingers in her ears like la 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 la, la. no i don't say don't say but anyways um don't worry we're not gonna play out anything like that i think no the music's still on just like okay um Anyways, I'm not going to spoil anything if you haven't seen it yet. But you're going to see that as we were, as, as what God to put on my heart to share today, and it was a while ago, it, it falls very much in line with what our, our nation is facing and what the world is facing. Look, you know, I, I don't care what people say. I'm like, oh, my gosh, mass shootings don't happen anywhere else but the United States. Garbage, okay? There's evil everywhere. And so it doesn't matter. There's darkness everywhere. And, again, if one agent of darkness can stand up and do so much damage... How much can an army of light do I want to bother you with that that bothered me a minute ago I like it just dropped in my heart as we were praying how much can an ar- how much damage can an army of light do if we follow through with what God has called us to do and crazy, because that's exactly what we're going to talk about today. So as we've been doing this, you know, we're, we're ending the series today. Next week is going to be a brand new series, which is one that we've never done. In uh, I've never done something like this, where it's going to be, it's called Hidden Figures, which is kind of based off of another movie that if you haven't seen, it was a, a great true story of, I want to say it was during the space program. There was these hidden heroes that were these mathematicians. In fact, there were these female African-American mathematicians who they were so influential in helping the space program do what they were able to accomplish and so this is highlighting these hidden heroes and so what we're going to do starting next week is for six weeks we're going to highlight six hidden heroes in the bible six women that sometimes get crossed over and neglected or overlooked and they get caught up in somebody else's story we're going to focus on six different women in that played a part in jesus's story starting next week so that's going to be a lot of fun and so we're gonna do that one but before we're gonna end end game we're gonna start here and we've been talking about with well, the idea with end game we're talking about the future we're talking about the end and we've been talking about the devil's end game which the devil has an end game for you and his end game is to end you that's what it is if he can't keep you from being saved then he wants to make sure that you are so discouraged as a Christian so distracted you ain't saving other people but we do know we've been talking about that the devil has his end game God has his own God has an end game too and in fact, in his word, in the revelation, we see a reflection of the end. We see that which one wins? Okay, God's end game is the one that's going to end, win in the end. And so with that, though, we've been talking about how that ought to impact our lives. Now, if you've seen the movie Endgame, it's big on uh, time travel. Right? I don't know what's your favorite time travel movie right now. If I say time travel movie, what pops up? Yo, there you go, Back to the Future, right? That one's classic. Yes, hey, with all the, uh, all the boomers, all the boomers. Okay, that was a lot of, uh, not, there was a lot of uh, millennials that just shouted out Back to the Future. So I was like, ah, oh, you're appreciating culture. All right, there he is. Right, there's so many nice classic. Right, there's a uh, Terminator. I thought of that one. Right, Back to Future, great one. And so those time travel, and Avengers Endgame is one about time travel. Some of you guys know that. They try to go back in time to undo their loss to Thanos, and then Captain America goes back in time to have that. Okay, spoiler, now I'm really spoiling it for you. Captain America goes back in time to fix something. If you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about, to try to fix something that he never got to enjoy and experience. And so I, I thought this was an interesting game. Let's play this game. Ready? You don't have to say it's loud, Let's play a game. If time travel were possible, okay, okay, if time travel were possible, if if I had a big telephone booth here that could take you back in time, okay, Bill and Ted's, all right, whatever, right, another 80s. If I had a telephone booth here that could take you back in time, okay, think about this. I want to play this game. What would you do? If you can go back in time into your history, what would you do? What would you fix? what would you undo? Have you thought about that? If you had the ability to go back in time and to alter your timeline, what would you do? I'm pretty sure we'd have a big list, right? I was like, oh my gosh, there's so many things. So many things I would have done differently. Man, if if I could do time travel as a parent, as a pastor, I would do things so differently. I, I would love to go back in time instead of you know, spending like a thousand dollars on a piano. Like I'd rather take that thousand and invest it in Amazon when it was like on the floor, right? That would have been that would have been nice, right? To get in on Amazon before it like shot off, right? If if I could go back in time, I would go back to the first day that I was a teacher, my first job out of college, and I was a teacher. First day of school, first class. I would have gone back in time to stop me from standing in front of my class with my zipper wide open. <laughs> it was a Bible class. <laughs> yo, I can see the Bible teacher's boxers. I just want to make sure. Oh, my gosh. If that would have been, right, yo. No, look, that was. I know people who have that, that's a nightmare for people to be in public in your underwears. I lived it. Okay. I live the nightmare. I live that nightmare. I would have loved to have gone back in time to be able to fix that. But there's so many things that we would do, right? So many things that you wish you could fix, undo, alter, never. Why? Because if, if you change the past, what does that do? Every good movie teaches us this. Every time travel movie teaches you, if you change the past, what happens? Yeah, it affects the future. If you change the past, you change the present. If you change the past, and then why do we say things like this? And you and I know it. This is why, man, we say this right here. If I only knew then what I knew now. How many times have you ever said that? Oh, my gosh. If I only knew then what I knew now, I would have done something differently. If I knew then what I knew now, I would have done something differently. Boy, Guys, check this out. This is so cool. This is why God gives us his word and gives us this revelation of the end. Because... In the same way we would have said, if I only knew then what I knew now, I would have lived differently. Because of God's word, we see what we will know one day, which ought to impact how we live today. God gives us this ability to appear into the future to then come back and to make the decisions based off of that. And so until though, until the end, and this is what the beautiful thing about the God's you know, word, his, his end game. Is that it inspires us to help us to shape. And that's what we've been talking about. How to come against the enemy. And that's what God gives us. That ought to impact our lives today. And so, but there's a lot from here to then. There's a lot of time. So in the, until the end, until the end comes, until the end of time comes, how are we supposed to live in the meantime? Until the end of time comes, how are we supposed to live in the meantime? That's what we're going to focus on today. To be that army of light and doing something. So, we're going to look at a, a letter from the apostle Paul to this guy named Titus. Look, it's a really short letter. In the in my Bible, it takes up a little over a page. That's it. It's one little letter that Paul writes this man named Titus. And so some of you, you don't know something unique about Titus that he was a he was not a Jew, he was a Greek. And so with that's interesting because here this was a time that there was a lot of controversy still between Jews and non-Jews, even inside of churches. And so Paul takes on this dude, and in pretty much kind of like a protege, like a mentorship. And this letter is like Paul, like his coach, writing to one of his athletes in training, encouraging him, you know, motivating him. This letter was written around 64 AD, which was around 30 years after Jesus' resurrection. So it was around that time. And what's so cool is that Titus, this is how, this is the kind of person that, Paul saw in Titus that the, one of the letters, 10 years before this, around 55 AD, Titus is actually the one who hand delivers the letter 2 Corinthians to the Corinthian church by Paul. So Paul sends Titus on a mission. Titus brings to the church, the Christian church in Corinth, this, the letter that we call now 2 Corinthians. And now, 10 years later, 64 AD, Titus is on another mission, on a difficult mission. Just like us, we find ourselves in a difficult difficult mission when you look at the news and everything else like that. Titus was on a difficult mission in this island of Crete, right off the coast of over there by Greece. And Paul is writing this letter to, again, his, you know, beloved son in the faith and saying, buddy, you got this. And here's how, and and it was a a hard little, and the culture was a very difficult culture. He talks about it in in the opening letter. And he says, how you are going to accomplish your mission, Titus, is by standing on the word of God and walking in good works. Standing on the word of God, walking in good works by grace. And so that's what we're going to look at right now. Because see, when when you accept in Christ, God, we've been talking about, God gives you his Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit of God uh, gives you, produces in you a hope and a holy lifestyle that helps you to accomplish all that God wants you to do. So if you're a believer, here's the thing that Paul was trying to tell Titus that we're going to look at today. If you're a believer, if you're a believer in Christ, you should have three behaviors. And we're going to look at those three behaviors today. First one, let's look at Titus chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. Let's look at this one. The first one he says is this. Paul, Paul is telling Titus, for the grace of God has appeared. Now he's talking about Jesus. The grace of God has appeared through Jesus Christ on the cross through the through the grave. He said it has appeared bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in the present age. So the first behavior that if you're a believer, here's what it needs to be. I want you to say with me, say training. Training right here, okay, the first behavior. Uh, One behavior that you should have as a believer is training. Now, when he says the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all, this is the beautiful thing about God. The beautiful thing about Jesus is that salvation comes to all people. But, guys, this ought to break your hearts. Salvation is offered to all, but not all take up. Jesus' offer. Not all will do. It's extended to everybody, but not all will. And if you have accepted this salvation, then... God recruits you, puts you on a new training regimen. And now something is going down. This is what is happening. This is the behavior that you have you are a believer. It is the training part. That God, you renounce ungodliness. worldly. There's a start and stop, you know, something in your life happening. God is leading you. The Holy Spirit in you is leading you to start certain things, stop certain things. You can see what it is there. Stopping what? ungodliness, worldly passions, following the, the desires of your flesh and all these desires that lead you away from God. And what are you supposed to start? Live lives of self-control, upright, the opposite, godly lives in the present. And so what, what he's saying here is that you need two things. And we've been talking about this in the series. Part of this training has these two steps. It's deliverance and discipleship. You need both. See, when the salvation comes, Jesus delivers you. From the hand of the devil, from Satan, from hell, from the demons, all those things. He delivers you from those things. But then you have to go through a process of discipleship. If you've even thought about that word, what is it? disciple? Discipline. A disciple of Jesus is someone who develops disciplines that makes him look like, walk, walk, like, talk like Jesus more and more. That's what a disciple is. has disciplines that looks like Jesus. And any discipline takes what practice time training that's what that's about and so we need both and you have to learn which one is which because that was uh, jack hayford is actually a great uh, great author great pastor he actually is the one that said the quote i mentioned a couple weeks ago that you cannot you cannot cast out your flesh and you cannot disciple your demons like there is you, can, you know sometimes people are struggling with something in their habit in their life And they're thinking, oh, I just just need more discipline in my life. I was like, no, that's a demon. Get him out. Okay. You can't disciple your demons. You got to get that guy out of there. God, you need to let the Lord deliver you. You can't disciple that thing. Get it out. Okay. Get it out. But then some people be like, they be trying to cast out and, you know, their flesh. I'm saying, man, no. I was like, the reason why you keep on falling in that sin is because you don't have discipline. You know, you're just thinking, oh, you're just praying it away. No, man. And so you got to know when to do both. And that's what he's saying when it comes to the training. There's a training that goes in. And in fact, uh, when I was praying about this, like what does this training look like, it it reminded me of kind of rehabbing from an injury. I'm I'm sure some of us, that's all good. I'm pretty sure some of you, have you ever had an injury and had to go through some form of rehab? I've had to do that. Anybody here had to do that? Some like rehabbing your muscles, your this, your arm, you broke something, right? And there's like physical therapy that you have to do. I've had to do that. In fact, I actually hurt a muscle right in here or a tendon. Actually, it's a tendon. And uh, I hurt it pretty bad. And so it was like tennis elbow kind of a scenario. Like it hurt to squeeze. You know, like if I had, I couldn't even open up a water bottle like with my right hand. It It was bad, any squeezing like that. And I just thought, well, it'll just get better. Let me just stop using it. After two months, nothing. Like it just actually, I felt like it was getting worse. It was really bothering me. Until I looked things up and said, okay, what is it? What are the symptoms? And then how can I try to rehab this? How can I try to do some therapy at home? So little massages here and there, taking very light dumbbells, five pounders, just doing different motions, helping out all the, those. Mo- and some of it, it hurt a little bit. It was like, uh, even me, it's a little bit. But the more I started rehabbing it, the better it was getting. In fact, like right now, I can just feel it a little bit, but it's so much better. And so I was thinking about the training and why, and, and then I imagined rehab. I really felt like God put it in my heart, you know, physical therapy. It's like some of us do not realize the damage, how how bruised and battered our lives were because of sin. Sin wrecks havoc in your life. It's broken. Like you break a bone, you got to go through physical therapy to build that muscle, the tendons, and all those back. In sin, we have a broken relationship with God. And so when God sets the bone again, when he sets us back in line with him and he heals us and he puts us back together, okay, now there's a training part that comes in. Now there's a rehab where God is helping us to grow and to recover from sin and trying to get us to live differently, strengthen us little by little. And so that's what that training is. And what I love about this training, take it out. It's we are free from performance. That's what the grace is. If you saw in the verse, he says, the grace of God has appeared. Now, when we talk about training, we're not talking about training like some athletes do. I know you know a lot of sports teams are starting to do that. NBA season's coming up, football season's coming up, all those things. And there's athletes who are training. Why? To perform out on the field, to be able to accomplish something. And yes, as Christians, why do we train? So that we can go out there, we can perform and love and live for God and serve Him. All those things are great. But God is God is doing this and He is helping us to rehab and train us, not so we can perform for Him. And this is so freeing. It's so freeing for me. Because sometimes I felt like as a Christian, I, I got to do certain, even as a pastor, I got to do certain things to perform for people. Like, I got to do things so people acknowledge me or this or that. I was like, no, God, you don't even have to perform for God. It's okay. Yeah, and, 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 and that needs to settle in some of your hearts. Because sometimes of some of us in the training that we're doing and trying to be better and do better, God's like saying, look, I, you're so focused on what you are doing, I want you to focus on who you are becoming. Because that's what I care. Who are you becoming who are you growing to be? Guys, that grace is huge for us. That we don't have to worry about that. That we don't have to worry about that performance. But that's that's the first part. One of the behaviors that we have as believers is, what again? Training. The second one, let's look at the next verse. Verse 12, it's waiting. The other behavior that believers should have is training. Second is waiting. Look what he says here. After he says... He's been training us for self-controlled lives, upright, godly lives in the present age. Waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of the great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. I I want you to look at that verse up there. What are we waiting for? What are we waiting for? We are waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing. Verse 11, he said, God has already appeared. It happened in the past. He already appeared. So then now what are we waiting for? Jesus' second reappearance. That's what he's pointing to here. As we are training, as we are working, as we are growing, as God is helping us to rehab and, uh, you you know, spiritual therapy away from our flesh, to walk in our spirit, we do that with this sense of waiting. We are waiting eagerly. In fact, the blessed hope, all these words, these Greek words that Paul is using, it's like you're excited, like you can't wait for that day. I don't know how you feel. If you think about the end, you think about standing before God, how do you associate the end of the world with joy and anticipation or nerve-wracking, knees knocking, okay? Think about that. Both. Thank you for being honest, okay? Whoever said that, thank you for being honest. Probably both, right? There's a little, <laughs> and, you know, but then the hopefully there's a little level of excitement. Paul is saying, listen, we do it waiting with anticipation for the appearing of the glory of who? Our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our great, not just God, man, great God. See, we're not afraid. See, us as believers, he is saying, Paul's not afraid. Titus, you shouldn't be afraid. You shouldn't be afraid because the, when you are saved, you don't got to fear the day you got to stand before God. You're You're not waiting afraid like, oh, am I going to make the cut? You know, like, am I going to make it? Am I not going to make it? And it's like, and so you're just waiting to see, you know, you know, saved, damned. Which one are you? Like, no, it's not like that. You don't got to stress that out. And this is the beauty part. You get to wait in anticipation. You can't wait for that day. That's what we as believers should have. Like, we just can't, like, I know sometimes we pray, like, oh, Jesus, just come today. Because I just can't. All right? I don't know if you've ever prayed that. I'm like, just Jesus, hurry up. I'm like, I'm done. Hurry up. Yes, but that, that's a different kind of waiting. This is an eager, like, I can't wait for that day to happen. What we read last week in Revelations, where there will be no more crying, no more sin, no more death, no more pain. I can't wait for that day. And was—and again, those of you, if you are saved, I want you to know you can wait and anticipate. You don't have to. You are free from fear. That's what the grace of God does. Now, I, I, I had to mention this. I want to make sure I clarify this as we're speaking. Because I've said something before. And I want to make sure I can clarify it even better. Um, when we talk about can you lose your salvation or not. And, and I've said this statement, well, it's like, no, you can't lose it, but you can surrender it. And, and here, I just want to clarify that. You, those who, because we've seen it, there's times where Paul would say it, Jesus would say it. Those in the end, their hearts will grow cold. Or they turned on their faith. They turned on their faith. Let me ask you, um, were all of you born? You were born, right? Can, can you undo your birth? can't undo that you're born you can't undo you're born when you are born again can you undo being born again you're born again you're new you can't undo that so then what happens then who are the Jesus and Paul talking about all those cultural Christians cultural Christians who who got the t-shirt who know the phrases know the slogans know the habits but they, they never real had real true life change. They just knew how to superficially put a new you know, coat of paint on the outside of rotten wood. And those are, when I say those who surrender it, are those who had the truth in their hands. And if they would have believed it, it would have been changed, but they surrendered that. So if you're saved, you've got to sweat it. Okay, are we good? Everybody, good with that? We good? If you saved, you don't gotta sweat it. That way, you know, with eager anticipations, like, I can't wait to see what my house looks like and who my neighbor's gonna be, right? I just can't wait. I can't wait to see what it's gonna be like to see Jesus face to face. I can't wait. I mean, I, I think of, uh, to me, it's like, you know, think of Christmas. You ever, like a kid, you, you knew there's a certain day happening and it's gonna happen and you just lose, maybe it's a vacation. You ever had your kids or you, you're so excited to go on vacation the next day that you just can't sleep? You ever had that? You ever had one of those moments when it's Christmas? I know I've done that as a kid. Christmas morning, I just can't sleep. Right? The day of my wedding, like I was nervous and excited, all this stuff. I could, I went to bed like at four in the morning, uh, you know, the night before. I just, uh, it, was, it was a lot going on. It was a lot going on. I know for some of you, you're excited. You can't wait for the first day of school. It's more like I can't wait for the last day of the school that hasn't even started yet. All right? Right, you're waiting with eager anticipation for 2020's last day of school, right? I can't wait. That's how we ought to rethink of the great day of the Lord. It's going to be serious. It's going to be real. But we don't have to fear it. All the training, that's what I'm saying, the grace about performance. That all the training that we're doing is not to perform to Jesus like pass or fail. We're not training for the day that we have to meet God and worried, am I going to pass or fail? No, you train and we work and we do all of what we do. We allow the Holy Spirit to do it in us because that's what the grace of God does. Do you know what the grace of God is? It is God himself. Grace is, listen, I can let's say this is a full cup, I can only fill up uh, about here. Grace of God fills up the rest. God's grace, you know, fills in all of your gaps. The grace of God is what we need to do anything and everything. Because if not, we're just doing it in our own strength. And that, we're not enough. Like we're saying Jesus is enough. God's grace gives us that ability to be able to, again, train. He gives us that eager anticipation of that hope. Waiting. And then the final, here's the final behavior of all believers. We ought to be training. We ought to be waiting. And verse 14, we ought to be working. Check this out. Let's look at verse 14. Here Titus says... When he talks about Jesus, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who, Jesus, gave himself up to redeem us from all lawlessness, to purify for himself a people for his own possession, who are zealous for good works. Now this one, so he's saying, look, he's saying, again, what has Jesus done for us? And then for what now that he hasn't prepared us so that we, we are his own possession, his own special people, zealous for good works. Now, what Paul's not telling Titus is good deeds. Okay. In fact, more and more, if you go on the secular humanist website right now, which is uh, you know big uh, atheist uh, you know, organization online, you can go check it out. There's statements of faith, and they make dec- these declarations. You can be good without God. Yes. Yes. You can be good without God. Those that are going to be listening online, you can't see my fingers. Quotation marks. Can you be good without God? Yeah, yeah. But you, can you have a good definition of good without God? How can you have, what's the, who defines good at this point? How can you have it if, if there's no defining point that who defines good? So yeah, you can be good without God because you're just defining that however you want. And so Paul, what Paul is not saying is good deeds because good deeds is not enough. Because cultural Christian good deeds ain't enough. Good deeds are not enough. And he is highlighting good deeds cannot come from an evil nature. Check this, please. Good deeds cannot come from an evil nature. This is why he was saying in the beginning, the training, there are certain things stopping from walking in the flesh, starting more walking in the spirit, and letting the fruits of God, the grace of God, building up so it lives out. You cannot produce good works, the kind that accomplishes a good, you know, a good thing, according to God. You can't do it from an evil nature. You can't do it. There's something missing. It's like having, if you can imagine having a bonfire, a pile of wood. I just have a pile of wood right out here. We got the hot dogs. We got the we got the sticks. We got the s'mores. We're ready to go. We got the pile of wood, but I don't got a fire. That's what good deeds are. Your good deeds without God is like a bonfire without a fire. You got the wood. You got all the ingredients for a kick-butt weenie roast. You're good to go. But if all you got is wood and no fire... It's not enough. Our good deeds are not enough. In fact, and I was looking at this and there was a quote by the pastor, uh, Charles Spurgeon. He says this, there is is plenty of fuel in the church. What is needed is fire. There's plenty of fuel in the church, in the church of God, in the world to accomplish what needs to be accomplished. There is plenty of fuel for people to stand up and to do good out there. There's plenty of fuel, but what do we need? Fire. Fire fire, the fire of God. And when Paul was talking about we are zealous for good works, that zealous is what we're talking about. Like where does this fire come from? It is our response. It is our red hot response to the love of God for us. Notice again in verse 14, what is he saying? He starts by saying God gave himself up for us to redeem us for all lawlessness. This is what he did to purify us so we are zealous for good works. Listen, we choose this life. To be zealous for good works is not to be, it's being free from obligation. This is why, like, being a Christian, again, is not boring. It shouldn't be. Because if you, to be zealous for good works means you want to do it. You choose to do it. Why? I choose this life because Jesus chose to give his life for mine. See that? It's like I choose this life. I willingly choose this life because Jesus gave his life for mine. So I can live. And we are now free from having to do good works out of obligation. We do not have to live out of obligation. We get to live out of satisfaction from a relationship with Jesus. That's what it's for. That's what it's about. We get excited, man, when when we know what God has done for us. That zealous, no, it's, it's, you know, we're fired up from God's love. We're fired up to do good. We're fired up to be able to live. And, And by the way, what are those good works? I mean, a lot of it, if you could look at it in his word, it's, a, it's not just div- stuff with God. It's ultimately here. Yes, it, it could good works is worshiping God, praising God. Good works is knowing his word, reading his word, all that, loving God, all that's good. But the good works is when this starts going that way. You got it? When this, all this stuff, this relationship flows out that way that's when the good work starts to happen. That's when it's even more. And so we do it not because we have to, because I guess so is what I'm supposed to do. I have to. You get to. Listen to that. You get to. You get to partner with what God is doing in the world. You don't have to do this. You get to. And because you get to. That should fire you up. That should fire you up to be able to do anything. Whatever the little, the big, whatever, it doesn't matter. And again, we, when you look at that eager anticipation, not only are we fired up because of the fire that we have inside of us to do, but we fired up because we know that God's end game is greater than the devil's end game. We are fired up because we know that all this work ain't going to go to waste. You catch me with that? Like all this work, all this training, it's not going to go to waste. There's going to be countless of teams now. They're going to start a new season. And they're going to be working hard, sweating, doing this, doing that. Even think of the Olympics. These people train for four years just to run for like 40 seconds. Right? That's a lot of time. They put in all of these years just for a moment. Just for this one moment. And if they don't win, you know, Listen, we put all this work in because we know it's not going to go to waste. We know it's not going to go to waste. We know it's not going to go to waste. And that just gives us that extra energy, that motivation to keep doing what God has called us to do. to the same way that he has loved us to love others. And, and we do this. And now this is not something I can't manufacture this I fire inside by myself. This is what we've been talking about. It's the gift of the Holy Spirit in you. God gives you this gift. He's inside. If you're a believer in Christ, you have, uh, you have repented of your sins, accepted Jesus as Lord. You have that Holy Spirit in you. Now why can somebody look different than somebody else? They, they got the same spiritual DNA. It's those who surrender, who, who show up to the gym versus those who just don't. All right, that's what the training's for, all the training, the waiting, the working. There's a reason why there's certain people that look buff buffer the than, buffer, buffer than numbers, regardless of I, those of you that just, you be buff for no reason and you barely do like two push-ups. Forget you, that's not what I'm talking about, okay. There's a reason why they show up to the gym. They show up. And when we show up to God and God, and guys, you, I want you to know, you, you're doing all of these three things right now. When you hear and you're listening to God's word, not mine because I'm just relaying information. When you're listening to God's word, he's training your brain right now to think differently. He's training you. It's like, oh, wait, I didn't know I can, oh, so I am saying, I don't got a word. Ba- okay. And I'll tell you, know, he's training you to think differently about your salvation. Training you to think differently about the future. Training you to be different. you here trying to manufacture your own self-man-made fire when God's like, doc, I got it right here. Just let me. You know, he's training you right now. Training you right now here and and we're waiting. We're, this is all. This is a good work too. Being a part of a church, all of that, all of this, and so we do it, knowing, and this is such a beautiful part about is that This is God in us. The Holy Spirit is the one who gives us that hope, gives us that hope, and He gives us that allows that holy life to develop. And so here's the, the bottom line. I want you guys to walk away from this because this is how, honestly, God's end game is accomplished in the world. If we can put the bottom line up is this. As Christians, our future identity should influence our daily reality. Think about this. All right, I'm going to put it on you now. Because for about two weeks, we've been talking a lot about the enemy and talking about you ain't nothing. Okay, like, you know, that, that was one other, by the way, training for some of you. That, oh, you can take authority over the enemy. You can take authority over these thoughts. You can, you can, you can, you can. But how are you going to take authority? You gotta, you gotta do the train, you gotta work out, you gotta do what you need to do, and this is it right here. Okay? And this is I'll put it on you now. Because there's certain one timers, but then there's other things that's a lifestyle. As Christians, our future identity should be influenced, should be influencing our daily reality. What do I mean? Because think about this if you're a believer in Christ, your future identity is a resurrected one. God's gonna resurrect you the same way He resurrected Jesus. Resurrected hope, character nature. You are going to be, we are going to be as close to Jesus as we will ever be. Your resurrected self is there. Your future identity is different. And so what happens is is we ought to see that future identity grow, begin to influence our daily reality. That's what it's about. It's literally, it's almost kind of like time travel to a certain extent. It's letting your future self reflect in the present more and more. That's what this is about. And the Holy Spirit is the one who does this. The Holy Spirit is the one who does this because right now, you and I, we are caught in between two ages. The present age and the coming age when Jesus is going to come back. We're caught in between the two. In the meantime, we do all the training and the waiting and the working. For what end? So that our future identity continues to grow and influence our present reality. That we are growing more and more to be like the people that we will be for all eternity. This is when Jesus and throughout the the scriptures, God says, be holy as I am holy. But that's not, you know, getting to a level of perfection. That's not a level of performance, pass or fail. No, to be holy is this increasingly. It is possible. Listen, some of y'all need to retrain this one. It is possible to live very much close to, if not sin free. Here on this side of heaven, there is, it is possible to break free from sin. That your cycle doesn't have to be like this, but it can be maybe like that. Okay? Like it is possible, not because of me, not because of you, it's because possible with the Holy Spirit. Or and that that's that future identity influence our daily reality. And so here's how I'm gonna put this on you. Here's an application question. Ready? Here's what I want you guys to think about. Think about this. Am I somebody who embodies who I will be someday? Think about this: Am I somebody who embodies who I will be someday? Does my marriage is my marriage growing and embodying what Christ would look like? What who I will be one day? Am I as an individual? As does my parent? As a parent? As a son? As a daughter? As a friend? Does my hobbies? Does the way I spend my time? Does what I do here and there, everything about your life, am I somebody who is embodying who I will be someday? Am I growing to be more like Jesus? Am I growing to be more like Jesus? And again, the beautiful part, it's not about performance. God's not waiting here. Like, you know, like sometimes with a coach, I've, I've seen those, I've done it, I've been a coach. And, you know, you slam the, you know, the, you get up frustrated with the, you didn't run the play, you got it wrong, it's like, you know, you just throw the clipboard down, kick the chair right through, whatever you want. God's not like that. He, his heart breaks for us if, if we're not maybe where we could be. He breaks for us. He's not breaking things, okay. But he breaks for us because he, wa- he knows that, man, this is the life. This is where we need to go. Am I somebody who embodies the future of who I'm going to be? That's something I want you guys to think about. And then and here's how you know if you are or not. Ready? I don't know if you've ever taken a Polaroid pictures, right? You ever seen one of those, those instant little snaps? And so this is how you know if you're doing it right. You should take a snapshot of yourself and ask yourself, am I growing in grace? I think about myself about a year ago, chick, you know, click, click. Then today, click, click. And you A, B, compare. Am I somebody who is embodying who I will be someday? Am I growing in this area? Or is this area still, am I still struggling in this area? I need to work on that. I need some training, Jesus, in this. I'm still struggling on this. Am I not? Okay, My where am I getting, Where what has God been doing in me? Guys, listen, that is God, his hand in you. So when you take those snapshots and see, wow, look at my marriage. Wow, look at my life. Look at who I am. You don't think it was like, I look good. No, you're like, man, God, you're good. Because it's him doing it through you, and the beautiful part is that you don't even realize when he has done something until you look back and be like, "Oh, that's right. Whoa!" And so, and you look back at the past and you see what he has done. That's the beauty of that. You take these snapshots and ask yourself, "Am I growing in grace? Am I somebody who is embodying?" Trust me, I, I do this all the time. It's uh, you guys know we have these conversations constantly with a lot of you when they'll you may be frustrated with where you are. I'm like, Ugh, I don't think I'm growing. Ah, I don't think I'm getting better. Ah, I don't understand. And then I was like, pause. You didn't care this much about your spiritual condition a year ago. Does that not show growth? Oh, yeah. There you go. Praise God because he's doing something in you, right? And so you see, like taking those snapshots ought to lead us to continually to praise and worship, man, how good God is that grace that he is doing in us and through us. And so that's what we ought to be. If you're a believer, if you want to see God's end game and you want to be a part of it, are we training? How are you training? How are you waiting? How are you working? How are you operating those good works? Those are the questions. Am I somebody who is embodying who I will be someday? If you call yourself a disciple of Jesus, then are you developing disciplines to make you look like Jesus more and more. And when you surrender to God, he does the rest in you. And see, listen... Jesus didn't hesitate to give his life for you. Paul was highlighting that. It was like Titus. And the whole theme of Titus was that he's trying to tell him, Paul Paul was telling him is it's the grace of God, the grace of God. Titus, I know this mission is going to be difficult. I know you're not sure how to do it. It's trust in God's grace. It's God's grace. It's his ability. It's his power. It's his love. Some of you are like, I don't know how I'm going to be able to overcome this addiction. I don't know how I can overcome this mentality, this idea, this emotion. You can't. In God's grace, you can God's grace. God's grace. God's grace. God's grace. It's God's grace. It's not you. The more you try to fight it, the more you are literally holding back the one thing that's going to actually get it down. It's God's grace. It's God's grace. Stand on God's grace. Know what you got in God's grace. Apply it. Don't waste God's grace. That's what Paul's trying to tell him. He's just trying to tell us don't waste God's gift of grace. Even if you have wasted it, okay, we'll stop. Okay, yeah. Don't put it in the past. Start today. Ignore it, apply it. it's God's grace. Jesus did not hesitate to give his life on the cross for you. He did not hesitate to make it possible for you to receive this grace. And you got to understand just the beauty and the, the mystery. Oh my gosh. It's just like, okay, back to time travel. Check this out. If you go back in time in a time travel movie, you mess with the past, what did you do? Mess with the present, right? You ever seen those, right? If you mess with the past, you mess with the present. That's time travel 101 in any movie, right? You mess with the past, you mess with the present. When you believe in Jesus, when you believe that he is the son of God, you have accepted him, you have been covered by the blood and filled with the spirit. The blood doesn't only cover you, it covers your past. And it undoes every sin that you've ever done. Almost like if you didn't do it. Think about that. The blood of Jesus goes into your past and covers and erases all of those things. And because now your past has been altered, so has your present. That's what Jesus does. That's what he does. That's the gift that you got. You sweating over something that to Jesus, wait, what happened? What would you do? I don't know. You catch that? And I was like, you see it? And so that you see the even the more, the eager anticipation that we should have when we meet with God, knowing that I don't got to show up and make excuses for all of this. You know, I don't got to make excuses for that because I know that my salvation, even mine, my salvation does not re- rest on my abilities. It rests on everything God has done. Jesus has done for me. That's it. And that as Christians should lead us. I should, I should make you fired up. I should make you fired up to not just play church. Take Sunday faith, make it Monday faith, Tuesday faith, Wednesday faith, everyday faith. That your everyday reality, more your present future reality is more and more becoming that daily reality. You are growing and seeing. Anyway, you take a step backwards. All right, then if you take four steps back and you start taking ten giant steps forward, all right, just catch up and keep moving. That's what it is. We, Jesus didn't hesitate and you and I, listen, we can't wait. The world, because the world can't wait. The world can't wait. Again, in the news, we were saying, man, again, somebody else. We see it all the time. One person, whether with a gun, look at that, wrecks havoc. One person, you know, how many in history have we seen the damages that one person can do? Well, what can an army of light do? What can an army of light do? If we say, Lord, here we are. Here we are. Let's get to work. Let's do this. Let's get to work. Lord, first though, work in me. See, that's what the training and the waiting is for. God says, let me work in you. When I work in you, it's going to work. When I work in you, it's going to work. If Let me work in you. And that's what we've been talking about and saying, Lord, I need you to release me from this. Do this. Help me. Reorganize. Realign me. I need you to work in me. I need you to work in me. And guys, I'm excited because the more that we do this, the more that we live like this as a church, the more we continue to whatever, train, wait, you know, work according to God, the more we do that, the more that present, future, resurrected identity becomes our daily reality. You know what's going to happen? The more demons are going to be casting out. The more people that are going to be healed, you know, they're sick are going to be healed. The more people are going to be raised to death, from the spiritually dead to life. The more we're going to do that, the more that's going to happen, the more light's going to overcome darkness. And the more we're going to train the next generation to do it better than us. That's what's gonna happen. That's what's gonna happen. That's my prayer. That's my prayer. As we do, I was like, oh devil, you, you, you think you can't handle me. Oh, just wait to who's coming next. Wait to who's coming next because we're training them to do better than us and to be better than us. And the more we walk in that, whew, that again. It's like we're not we're, we see the time clicking, going, going. We ain't sweating the timer. We're not worried about the timer. Because we know how that game. We know that God's end game is greater than the devil's end game. That God's game is going to win. And so we waiting with great anticipation. But we trying to see who else can we scoop up really fast before that happens. Who else can we get. Let's just keep putting that the bigger L on the devil and just keep on getting more and more and more out there. That's what it's for. That's what it's about. And I can't wait. So in the meantime, in the meantime, us as Christians, we need to keep loving others as Jesus loved us until the end of time. If we do that and we let God work in us, God's going to do a work in the world. And the world can't wait any longer. Don't wait till next Sunday. Don't wait till next Sunday. Don't even wait till tomorrow because the world can't wait. There's people who can't wait to hear and receive and find what you have found.